This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, the ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome. It is the Friday edition of the Ringer NFL show coming to preview divisional weekend action. Uh, we, we have our games kicked down even further, guys. We're doing poorly. Uh, they only gave us four games this week. Those are the only four we're allowed to cover. Uh, I am Ben Solak, joined as always by the inimitable Stephen Ruiz and Kalen Jones. Stephen, how are we feeling? Feeling good. I'm, I'm happy that we trimmed the fat from last week the b team the b friday preview show they have all the other games they got the texans and the lines or whatever we just get these the cream of the crop these four kalen major takeaway from wildcard weekend is what i hate the seven seeds yep <laughs> i mentioned that in our survey i don't think it was necessary but hey i mean as long as the nfl is making some money off of it good for the league i guess that monday game did not feel like a playoff game oh it was not it i was not. watching it with the audio off so I was working and then I had it on in the background. So I didn't really hear the crowd and stuff. But like from that perspective, it just felt like a regular October Monday night game. I was there at the game. It did not feel like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, the Rams whooped the Cardinals ass. It was over <laughs> by the first half. It was over. That's the thing is that there were two blowouts, including the seventh seed. But there were also two blowouts not including the seventh seed. And so I think really the solution is just get better at football all other teams who are not the Chiefs and the, and the Bills and et cetera, et cetera. Speaking of the Chiefs and the Bills, transitions. Uh, we're doing four games of the week, as per usual, now that we're in the playoffs. Uh, we are going to start with one of the three matchups. That, that's a rematch. And I would posit the most ballyhooed of the three, and that's Chiefs-Bills. This is the game that I think everybody anticipated at some point we were going to get in the playoffs. Even when the Chiefs were at their lowest, the Bills were at their lowest. I think everybody has wanted to see this game and everybody wants to talk about the repercussions of the potential winner of this game, and what it means for quarterbacking moving forward in the AFC. So we turn, of course, to AFC quarterback expert Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, what are we looking for in this game? What did, what did I do to earn that title? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Uh, <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, what are we looking for? We're looking for points. A lot of points. I want them to score 50 points each, but I honestly... I'm kind of thinking that this game might not be as high scoring as we think. I think we're overreacting to last week's games where both teams scored 40 points and really it felt like they could have scored 60 if they wanted to. And we've seen more inconsistency from the Bills offense of late. Like Josh Allen has had some games where he just didn't play well against the Jets a couple of weeks ago, a game they won. I don't think he played particularly well and he missed some throws that we weren't used to him missing over the last two years. So I'm looking at that side of the ball as the most important matchup, more so than Bill's defense versus Chiefs offense. I think it's going to be decided on the other side. If they can't slow down Josh Allen and he goes nuclear like he did last week or what he did against the Patriots in the second game, I don't know if the Chiefs stand a chance. But if they can hold him to a Jets-like game, I think it's. I think the Chiefs are going to win it. Yeah. Now, I want to talk, right? So I think both offenses can potentially go thermonuclear, right? And in the event that either does, then the other one must go thermonuclear in order for that team to have a shot. And if they both go thermonuclear, it's who has the ball last, right? It's like that part of the conversation is kind of like lame. It's like, all right, if Allen's on all cylinders, there's nothing real, right? If Mahomes on all cylinders, there's nothing real. So let's focus defensively here. I want to start with the Bills because there have been personnel changes and, and structural changes for both since the last time they played. That game was in week five. The Bills won 38 to 20. Namely, 
uh, Tredavious White, star corner for the Bills, was injured. Uh, his first week out was week 13. That was the first week in which he was absent. Here are the passing offenses the Bills have played since they've lost White. The Patriots in the, the you know, freezing tornado, whatever the heck it was. <laughs> uh, the Buccaneers, good passing offense, lost that game 33-27 to in overtime. Panthers, Patriots again. Falcons, Jets, Patriots again. Do you feel, going back and watching this Bills defense, Stephen, that the Bills have been appropriately tested in the passing game without White? And what are they trying to do to account for his absence? Will it work against the Chiefs? No, I don't. I don't think they have been tested. And I would go as far as to say that they weren't tested when White was in there, when they were playing like the Jets and the, the Texans to start the year and just blowing those teams out. I think we're going to see... More too high coverages. I mean, that the Bills play too high coverages already, and we're going to see more zone defense. And that typically isn't the formula for success against a Chiefs offense, but I think the way they play their their coverages, and I think Sean McVay is going to have some adjustments ready for things that the Chiefs do in particular. I mean, I'm confident that they're going to not get embarrassed. I'll say that. I'm more confident in them not getting embarrassed by the Chiefs' offense than I am in the Chiefs' defense not getting embarrassed by the Bills' offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, so let, let's let's chat Chiefs' defense here, Kalen, for a second. Uh, week five, they had, like, Chris Jones at defensive end. Daniel Sorensen was still a starter. Trivarius Ward wasn't playing. It wasn't great, right? It was very uh, ugly. Then we had that right. middle stretch of the season, right, where they held, like, the Packers to seven, they held the Raiders to 14, Cowboys to nine, Broncos to nine, Raiders to nine. It was sick. And then 28 to the Chargers, 34 and a loss to the Bengals. They had 24 to the Broncos in the final week of the season. Uh, this Chiefs defense is probably somewhere in the middle of where they were to start the season. They were just losing everything. And where they were in the middle of that season, where things got really, really nice. So as we said, if Allen goes thermonuclear, there's kind of nothing you can do. But if you are Steve Spagnuolo and you've played Allen before and you've had to deal with him multiple times, what are you trying to do? And do the Chief, does the Chiefs defense have enough talent to be capable of it? I think the answer would have been, for me, it would have been like try to speed up Josh Allen, right? It would have been try to apply a lot of pressure quickly. But I think the numbers and the data suggest that when Allen has been blitzed this season, that you know he's still capable of being haywire. And I think Steven just pointed out, like just a few weeks ago, he had a pretty med performance against the Jets. It wasn't particularly impressive. Even in that matchup against the Chiefs, you know, while he hit the home run plays, specifically downfield, like Dawson Knox touchdown, the throw of the digs. Like you said, Daniel Sorensen was playing a lot more. I think he played 100% of the snaps in that matchup. And a lot of those plays were made outside of the pocket. So... I think the answer to slowing down Allen would be to somehow contain him from breaking the pocket and also getting, you know, outside of pressure and collapsing on him. I think the addition of Melvin Ingram helps, but I don't know if it makes a big enough difference in that regard. We should point out that Chris Jones did not play in that first game. Oh, right. He's, right, 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 right. Which is a big absence, and he's going to be playing in this game. And the one play that did happen in structure, the one big play, was the Dicks pass. The Chiefs were in cover two. It basically turned into cover zero because you had Diggs running a post against against Sorensen, who had to take him one on one, and you you could figure how that turned out. It was a deep <laughs> touchdown, but I think I think Spags has to come with a different game plan this time around, like different from what he usually does, not just against what he usually does against the Bills. I think we need to see more man coverage. I think we need to see more of the two safeties if they're going to keep those two safeties deep. I don't want to see them playing cover two. I want them to play like a, a quarters man match type of a deal where they're bracketing those inside receivers if they're running those posts. And they have that. We've seen them do that before in the playoffs. They did it against the Bills last year. Yeah. I want the game plan made out of that. And then I would suggest maybe even a lot of cover zero against Josh Allen because he has not performed well against the Blitz this year. Teams have stopped blitzing him, but when they have, he he doesn't perform well. Right. So let me ask you this. You're, you're playing man and you're playing with two safeties against Josh Allen. We've talked about this on the pod before. Uh, when you play man against a running quarterback, you are living on a double-edged sword where if he's able to get out of the pocket, nobody's looking at him. And if nobody's looking at him, he's going. And really, over the back half of the season, no quarterback with Lamar Jackson's injuries and with Jalen Hurts also getting banged up, no quarterback has run more, run more effectively, converted more scrambles, picked up more first downs than Josh Allen has. So are you willing to live defensively, philosophically here? Like This is the big Tuesday question to me, right, when you're in meeting rooms in the Chiefs' defensive 
you know, facilities. Are we willing to say we need to play man coverage? We need to match receivers. We got to play with seven in coverage such that you're going to let Josh Allen run against man because i'm not sure that juice is worth the squeeze he's been that good as a runner recently no i I just think you have to do things to to mitigate that that problem such as they have to change like having a spy on him or doing things with your rushes like different stunts to keep him in the pocket i think you can do that while still playing two safeties deep and playing man covers like you said that's typically a recipe for disaster against scramblers but playing cover two it just isn't going to work it's not an option i mean the patriots tried it a couple times against them in both of the the two games where they could actually throw the ball and it didn't work out. He's just too good at throwing into those windows, throwing downfield into tight windows and manipulating those zones by getting outside of the pocket still and, and forcing defenders to vacate the areas they're responsible for. I would not want to go to bed on Sunday night having lost and having played cover two all game long. I just don't think it's an option. It is, I think, one of the most impressive things in Josh Allen's development, which is a hard thing to track because like he was so insanely good last year and then some like natural statistical regression came in this year, is that like when he gets zone now, like he did against the Patriots, like he has the ability, he doesn't do it every time, but he has the ability to like just dice dudes up. Like pocket passer vision accuracy stuff, which is just not how we typically describe this player. And if you have that, that's throwing defenses out of zone and then you have their receiving room and Josh Allen's running ability, which can run you out of man. It's kind of like, all right, let's blitz the ever living daylights out of this guy and hope we get two turnovers. And if we get two turnovers and we can get two short fields and we can get 14 free points, we can win this thing on a coin flip, right? We can win this thing with the last possession, which is just like, it's not where you want to be living in the AFC divisional round. Trust me, but it is uh, the last guy. We should probably know is the dude on the other side of the ball though. And that is Patrick Mahomes offensively. The Chiefs have not been uh, the Bills in terms of they've just solved their problems with aggression. They've just solved their problems by hucking this thing. They've really developed nicely uh, this underneath passing game, right? They've gotten the tight ends more involved. And then, Kalen, they've gotten freaking Jarek McKinnon, who just like wasn't a player for them for the first 18 weeks of the season, just decide to open him up in the wildcard round. Uh, Chiefs offensive woes completely and totally fixed expect them to be you know 100 it's the playoffs it's the chiefs they're fine or is this still a team where if the bills walk out rush with four play seven rush with three drop eight the way we've seen other defenses do you still have concerns for the chiefs in this game i'm still concerned for the chiefs offense especially for this game i'm picking the the chiefs to win it because of patrick mahomes okay. but from an x's and o's standpoint I feel like I'm dumb for not picking the Bills. So pretty much for you, Stephen, it boils down to X and O standpoint Bills, but Allen hasn't been consistent enough relative to Mahomes that you believe, you know, in your heart of hearts that he's more likely to have a nuclear game than Mahomes is. That's pretty much right. Here. Exactly. All right, Kalen, same yeah. general question. Then. No, I'm in the same boat, but that's the thing. Like I trust Mahomes to consistently find a way. And I think that balance, I kind of, I trust the Chiefs offense, what it's looked like over the past few weeks. I know, you know, again, it could be, a bit more consistent, but the balance that they've been able to strike and the patience from Mahomes' end, I think that you trust that in the fact, again, that he's played in these games before, that I'm going to roll Mahomes and the Chiefs. Let me just say one thing. I still buy that the, the Chiefs' offense has found a new way to play and they're playing well with it. I'm just not worried about the Bills' defense handling it because they're so well coached. I think they can get, they can defend the underneath stuff well without sacrificing the deeper coverage because they do have two great safeties and they have linebackers who can run and and tackle i think they're set up perfectly to take on even this addition of the chiefs offense which is different my question with that too real quick is like with the chiefs offensive line being able to dominate in the run game the way that does we know that the bills like to rotate and they have i would say they have like smaller defensive they do. Line, yeah 100 yeah, right? like they're more more finesse pass rusher types i think i i don't know i trust the Chiefs offense being able to win at the line of scrimmage and lean a bit on that run game as opposed to the Bills on, on the opposite end. Yeah, that's a good point. Both teams have improved their running game like recently over the last few weeks. And yet still when I'm pre- prepping for this game, I'm like, all right, running games don't matter. Like it just doesn't feel like right. it does. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it does with like Allen scrambles and like, you know, him in, in short yardage, like the use of design stuff in the red zone. And Chiefs, same thing. Like it matters with Mahomes scrambles. But like in general, I just like all right, that's a wash, whatever. Like, it's going to affect, like, 10% of the game. Maybe it won't. You know what I mean? That's that, that that's kind of, like, my, my instinct right now looking at these two teams. I think the Bills. And I just I, – it's not it's not like Mahomes hasn't earned my trust because he has. But I see a way that this game starts 
with big explosive scoring drive from the Bills, nickel and dime drive from the Chiefs that gets three, big explosive scoring drive from the Bills, nickel and dime drive from the Chiefs that ends with like zero, and Mahomes starts to get itchy. And that's the thing that worries me mm. is that the Bills know that they just got to live and breathe with like the Allen roller coaster, right? Like they, 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 they're doing like the Isaiah McKenzie stuff, fine line of scrimmage. They're improved their running game, right? Like Devin Singletary is the clear bell cow back. Now they're kind of a little bit better there, whatever. But they know that this, this, this is going to work if we just leave the ball in Allen's hands and we give him enough plays that eventually he makes a huge one. I'm worried that the Chiefs like want to be this more methodical, cautious team that they've been, right? The smarter team behind line of scrimmage. But Mahomes does not like to play that way. And when they've struggled to execute that, it's been because Mahomes hasn't wanted to take that. And all of a sudden, if you get down early, I could see Mahomes, you know, falling into his uh, into his, you know, uh, uh, proclivities a little bit. Right. Kind of be, you know, go, trying to be that player who can go toe to toe with Allen when I don't think that I think that plays a little bit more into the Bills hands. And I think that that's not how the Chiefs have succeeded this year. I think that that same offensive line that's been good in the running game is not great in pass protection. And if you have to drop back for a long time against the Bills line that is really, really fresh, they rotate a ton of guys, they have light legs right now, I think that that could get really wonky late. So I like the Bills. And I think that I think we all agree schematically, Bills have an advantage, even like maybe personnel-wise, on most positions, Bills have an advantage. It's, is Mahomes still the undisputed king, or can Allen actually like you know come for the throne here? That's what makes this narrative really fun. What do you think the score is if the Bills win? I think this game ends like, like, you know, 37-30, like 41-34. I, I think we get points on points on points. I had talked about that that outcome where the Bills score a lot early and it puts Mahomes in a bad spot. What I what I earnestly believe happens is the first couple of drives are like, feel them out, right? You know what I mean? Like the scripts are obviously going to be good, but the defenses are going to be throwing, you know, new stuff and new looks and whatever. Going to get a punt, going to get whatever. And then I think much like the Chiefs playing the Steelers, there's going to be a score that kind of breaks open the dam and then these two offenses start to go nuts. And it goes haymaker fight round two, round three, right? Where all of a sudden, like the, the heavyweight punchers start to know what the other guy's trying to do and then they just start swinging because both these offensive coaching staffs adjust really well in my opinion in game so i think we see like seven nothing seven three first quarter and then like 24 21 at halftime you know what i mean and i think that then that continues into the second half so i think it's gonna be a, like a little bit like feel each other out early and then once somebody starts scoring i think this thing opens up yeah i i, I think it might look a little similar to last year's afc title game where it wasn't a, a very high-scoring game, I'm really expecting Spags to just send the house at Allen. No. I think that's the strategy they have to take. They're playing at home. Crowd noise is going to be a factor. I, I know Mike McCarthy earlier in the year pointed out the crowd noise, that it really disrupted their pre-snap operation. I think you can get some free rushers against Buffalo if there is miscommunication on the offensive line. Which there is pretty often. Right, exactly. So I'm, I think the Chiefs win. I think it's like 24 to 17, 27 17 wow. something like that totally yeah, total right now is set at like 54 so that'd be low I, I think the Chiefs will win like 31 27 something close I, I don't think it gets too crazy but there's gonna be a run with both offenses with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter I'll be like it's still anybody's game really don't care what the deficit is <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean and that's gonna be a lot of fun all right Chiefs Bills the marquee game of many marquee games this episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. The next one that we're talking about here is 49ers at Packers. This one is mine. Uh, I'm so freaking stoked for this game. I think it's going to be so much fun. The 49ers and Packers meetings, obviously, have been very storied for a long time, um, but also like recently have been very good. We obviously had the game this year in which Kyle Juszczyk scored from the one-yard line, maybe when he should not have, gave Aaron Rodgers 40 seconds on the clock to go get a field goal. You know what Aaron Rodgers did? He went 40 seconds, got himself a field goal. Uh, we had the 2020 game, which the Packers controlled. But then before that, we had the NFC Championship game, which Raheem Mostert rushed for like 
600 yards, I think it was. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, absolute domination in there. We had the 37-8 to game, uh, Niners over the Packers as well that season. Just a super, super fun matchup over the last few years. Now you get this game. Firstly, we start with, you know, news. Nick Bosa did not practice uh, on Tuesday. Uh, he's still in the concussion protocol as of our recording on Thursday. I would guess he plays. I would guess that he does everything he can to get through the concussion protocol. I don't even know if that's a thing you can do, but I'm guessing he does. Same thing with Fred Warner, uh, where Warner obviously felt like he could go back into that game. So if, if it's a pain management thing, he's absolutely playing. Jimmy is just out here with a sprained shoulder and a broken thumb and just every single availability he has is like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in terrible pain. Gripping the ball hurts. Uh, it sucks to throw. Everything is sad. I'm going to play on Sunday. Is it his throwing shoulder? That's yes. Right? Yep. And Good he man. hurt it on a when he was hit, and he couldn't brace himself falling down with his hand because of his thumb. So he had to catch himself like on his forearm, like on his elbow, and then he hurt his shoulder. So we're just Ben Roethlisberger-ing this young man, uh, and he's out here trying to fight through it. Current forecast for the Packers 49ers game, which is the Sunday night game, if memory serves, uh, has it at like two degrees of weather as well. So we have Jimmy's arm, Jimmy's hand size, plus shoulder, plus grip with the thumb in like single digits so this this does not look good for the 49ers passing game with jimmy garoppolo with that said when the niners have beaten the packers they've beaten them running the football when this brandon staley joe barry defense has lost it has lost because of running the football the packers are 30th in rushing defense dvoa right now a lot of that is beginning of the year stuff they've certainly gotten better but structurally this team wants to play with two deep they want to fit with defensive backs. They want to live in sub packages, and you can run against that. That has been proven. And if there's any team that can run their way through a playoff game, it is the 49ers. When you go back and you watch the Week 3 game, what you notice is that Trey Sermon is playing. Uh, Debo wasn't really like as big of the running game as he was. And what happened is the Packers wanted to come out, and they wanted to live in their in their bare fronts, right, where they got three guys between the tackles, and they got Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. It wasn't Zadarius because he was hurt. But, like, they got their, their big outside linebackers standing up way, way, way as nine techniques, right? And what they're trying to do is say you can't run inside of us, and if you try to get out outside of us, try to outflank us with outside zone, we're going to have these big outside linebackers they are going to turn ball back into the middle. And that worked just fine and dandy until the Niners started getting into that C gap, right? They started putting a tight end on the field, running behind that tight end, getting outside the tackles, but inside that back. And that's what they do with Debo right now. That's all that run, that, that wide receiver run. They get outside zone with a lead blocker, right? Like the, the running back becomes the lead guy. They run these reverses and they get outside the tackle box on you. So the Packers went to like a basic four down front. And usually that's the front that the 49ers are able to rip to shreds, right? Because it's going to have a B-gap bubble. There's going to be a gap between a guard and a tackle. You point the back at that gap and you say, run zone, right? You run split zone at that gap. And you say, hit the gap. If it's open, if it's not, the cutback's going to be there. And in that game, they couldn't run the Packers out of those fronts because they had Trey Sermon and just Shanahan did not trust this guy. And their offensive line wasn't playing that well. And, and they were they were living more in like spread sets because Jimmy couldn't really throw it deep. And he threw the deep pick to Kittle. And they kind of just lived in the quick game trying to throw like against all this cushion. They just couldn't run the Packers out of these over fronts, these four down fronts. With Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel right now, the Niners can run you out of any front they want. And that to me is, is the key in this game is that I, I watch – the way the Packers have defended the run. I watched what they did against the Browns in a game that they almost lost because Nick Chubb nearly ran the Browns back into the game. And when they're in bare front, you run power, you run pin pull, you run counter, you get guys moving, and you take these linebackers, right? They got like, you know, like Oren Burks and whatever. You take these box safeties and you just pick them up and move them out of gaps. You run power counter. And if they give you over front, you just run zone. And they do not have the horses on the defensive front at defensive tackle. Like Kenny Clark's a good nose, but they don't have a real three tech. And you just hammer the B gap and you just get upfield on them. And you can just do it. And 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 that's like, again, like there's a lot to talk about in this game. Aaron Rodgers, Niners defense, whatever. But I try to figure out how the Packers are going to stop the running game of San Francisco right now. And I land nowhere. And then that puts into light how difficult, like does the Jimmy injury matter? How much is the, the Devontae? Like if Rodgers is kept on the bench for 20 of the first 30 minutes in the first half because they're running the ball, 
this sounds really familiar to how the Niners have beaten the Packers before. So where I am right now is just how do the Packers stop this running game? And currently I have no good answers. And that makes Niners really feel like a, a live dog in this one. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they win this game using that formula you laid out. And like, even if Trey Lance has to play, I don't, I'm not scared of that. I think Trey Lance will have packages no matter what. This was the game in which he scored a touchdown, if you remember, on third and goal, right? They just put him in there. They ran a lead with him, and he got to the, the edge. And then they, they just suspiciously have not done that recently. And to me, that's very like, we're saving it for when we need it, and this is the game you need it. And the Packers give up scrambles like no other team does. When you run match coverage, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a, a, a play or two that changes the game. I think it's going to come down to whether Rodgers goes into God mode or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's so hard to predict because we don't know the status of Bosa. We don't know the status of Fred Warner, the two most important players. Right. On, on the defense. And I think their absences change the game totally, especially Bosa. Like, if they can get after the, the Packers with a four-man rush and they can stop the run, the 49ers are really good at stopping the run. They're second in defensive DVOA against the run. I don't know, man. That, that Packers offense, I don't know if they have an answer for that. I don't know if they have a plan B if both of those things are, are – if both of those things are happening. And real quickly, right, to the Bosa point, uh, David Bakhtiari, who would be the guy blocking Bosa, he practiced, he was back at practice on Wednesday, but obviously we haven't really seen Bach play. We don't, like, you know, he was supposed to come back earlier, and then he had a setback, and, like, this is not an easy injury to come back from, especially when you're, like, a 35-year-old tackle or however old Bakhtiari is. So it's, like, Bosa Bakhtiari is, like, the game in terms of who's plays and who's healthier. That's the thing, too. Like, D'Amico Ryans has gotten a lot of production especially like last week was a great example against the Cowboys like even without Bosa on the field like that defensive line was still able to consistently generate pressure and I know again like I don't think there's as big a liability as Connor Williams along the Packers offensive line but I'm curious to see like if you can get the Packers to go you know you know miss on a third down get a miraculous possession the Niners I think the Niners have a good chance I think I'd still lean Packers, but it, it could come down to whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't make a mistake, which I'm not going to bet against. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. The rush with four thing is is huge because the only way this works, like you're going up against Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You cannot play man coverage. All right? right. You couldn't do it even if you had good man coverage players, and you don't. You have no corners, and you have it all year. Right. And the Ravens had no corners, and they tried to play Devontae with like two guys. Just still did not work. It's, you gotta, you cannot play man here. So, all right, you got to play zone. And the Niners have been as good in zone coverage recently as anybody, right? They are incredible over the middle of the field with Jimmy Ward and Chakisky Tart and Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. It's been incredible. But playing zone with seven is workable. If you have to start blitzing because you're not getting home with four, Playing zone with six is a lot harder. Trying to play fire zone against Aaron freaking Rodgers and Devontae freaking Adams. That's not a winning formula, right? So the, it is a narrow walk for the Niners on offense. You have to be able to run the football and keep Rodgers on the bench. It is a narrow walk for the Niners on defense. You have to be able to rush with four, drop seven, play zone, keep everything in front of you, and make tackles. But this is both of those things is what they've been good at all year. It's what's gotten them here. And that's why it's such a difficult game to predict because the Packers clearly have the talent advantage. They clearly have the coaching advantage, right? LaFleur is much better in these late game situations than Shanahan has been in these playoff situations, fourth downs, whatever. But the way the Niners win on paper is the way they've been winning. So if you can execute, and Shanahan has been building out game plans like crazy. These bespoke, you know, jerry-rigged game plans for an opponent. D'Amico Ryans has been coaching out of his mind recently. If you can do it, you're built to do it. And that makes it such a fun and interesting hypothetical to, like, deal with, you know? I have more trust in the 49ers being able to make this their type of game and play their type of game than I do the Packers. What's the Packers' type of game? I think you, you get the running game going, whether that's, like, under center or the RPO game where Rodgers is flipping – screen passes out to Devontae Adams and he's breaking tackles and picking up 10-yard gains. You have to have that. We've seen what happens to this offense when they can't run the football and they get in third and long and all of a sudden you can do you can blitz them maybe or you could uh you get out to the passer with the, the pass rushers can pin their ears back and just rush the quarterback. It happened in the Packers games last year and I don't know. I I don't think I like the offense, but I don't know how much volume there is once you get past the the run game, 
and the passing game being married together, like the Shanahan style of offense. I don't know if there's a lot of depth and a lot of answers that allow them to come up with a good plan B if the 49ers are able to stop their base offense. But again, it's the same thing I said, Bill's Chiefs. Niners are up by 17 to start the fourth quarter. I'm like, man, this is a close game. Anything can happen right now. I'm not going right. to, especially the way that the game ended the regular season, any time left against like this sort of a defensive approach is going to be too much time. I don't want to pick this game yet because we don't really know health things. But if Warner, if Bosa, and if Jimmy is like the same percentage of Jimmy he has been in terms of health, I think the Packers win. But the Niners are, are much closer than the six-point dog that the books have them at. And they, as I said, have an avenue to win. So I, I'll, I'll pick them here, assuming those health, because I think that it's like a, a close game and it's a it's a really, really, really fun game. So I'll take Niners. I'm going to make Kalen go before me. Oh, nice of you. Damn, we were just joking about how I always go last. <laughs> I'm taking the Packers here, though. Like, I, I ultimately, I think it just comes down to Rodgers making fewer mistakes. I should clarify, right? Yeah, the Packers are my Super Bowl pick. I'm picking the Niners, but I do think Packers are the best team. I got the Packers. I just trust Aaron Rodgers a little bit more than Jimmy. If those guys are healthy, I'm picking the 49ers. As dumb as that is, picking Jimmy Garoppolo against Aaron Rodgers is very stupid, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, Like I said, I just think the 49ers plan A is more consistent and more reliable to me than the Packers plan a is going up against this 49ers defense specifically and i think we see this game not get out of hand for the packers but they kind of like lose the plot as the 49ers start running the ball and controlling the clock and i could see them trying to play catch up late and just falling short i can see this become i like the game of the playoffs and i think that if we get that like rogers fourth quarter surge can the niners hold on i feel like that'll be really really fun I think we'll get that. Even if the 49ers defense has success early, I think I don't think Rodgers is just going to go out. We'll get like a late rally. Oh, it's going to be fun. All right, we're on Kalen now. This is uh, Rams-Buccaneers. Another rematch. This was week three also. It's impossible to remember when these teams played. Question marks for Tristan Wirfs coming into this game. Rams look tremendous against the Cardinals. Kalen, what do we expect? We're expecting to see Tom Brady with a lot of quick game. And we saw it last week against the Eagles. Granted, it was against a zone defense that, you know, we expected. Go Birds, baby. <laughs> They got in the playoffs and they got a, uh, a premium draft pick. I mean, that that's what you can ask for, Ben. We're all right. <laughs> but, I mean, going into this matchup, I think, you know, Brady, I think he averaged, like, what, 2.17 seconds last week. That, that was his quickest time to throw, I think, since Next Gen has been charting that statistic. So, I think it comes down to how well the Rams secondary plays, you know, in man coverage. You know, how well can you body up and throw off the timing for Tom Brady, considering he's got, you know, guys who, again, you mentioned Tristan Wirfs along the opposite line, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs being banged up. And then the receivers, you know, not having Chris Godwin out there and not having Antonio Brown relying on Mike Evans, who could end up being covered by Jalen Ramsey if he decides to travel with them all game. You know, how quickly and how can you affect uh, Brady's timing with these other options uh, within the receiving game? How can you throw that off of your Rams to get off the field? Because, Early on in that matchup during the regular season, I think, you know, granted, I think it was a really slow start for both sides. Um, what they were able to do in terms of affecting Brady's timing with Gronkowski, with Godwin over in the middle of the field, ended up playing into their hands and allowing this Rams offense to take over and really assert itself through explosive plays. So I think that's the first part. The other piece is Stafford, you know, not making mistakes, but I think those are really the two. Um, you know, fundamental pieces of this contest that can really throw it one way or the other is can the Rams throw off Brady's timing and can Stafford stay out of his own way? I have a third thing that I just, I want to know where you land on this because I'm nowhere on this. Uh, the Rams have just decided to be a running team. Is this a real thing? Like in the end of the regular season and then early against the Cardinals, it just became, it was early down runs. And then it was like, you know, not like Stafford shot plays. Like it wasn't like exclusively like big shots, but like, they would pick their spots to throw it. Stafford looked great. And I feel like, especially with Cam Akers just back out of freaking like un ungodly angelic return to health, just absurd Cam Akers six-month Achilles recovery, are the Rams, like this This Bucks defense is known to be a pass funnel. You cannot run against them. You can pass against them. So every team that plays them goes pass heavy relative to season projections. What are you looking at in terms of run pass splits for the Rams? What are we expecting? That they're, they still try to be an early down run team or are they just going to come out and be pass happy the way they were early in the season? I still think they're going to try and lean on the run as much as they can. I think achieving that balance is what McVay kind of wants Like as terms in terms of the identity of the offense at this point in the season. you Like as much as they 
like Matthew Stafford, again, there's still that little bit of haywire gene that you don't want to put like rely on him too much. And so I think the emergence of Akers, you know, over the past few weeks, and then again, Sonny Michelle, who's been exceptional since, you know, taking over the lead role for Daryl Henderson. I think they've been really happy with how the off the line has performed. I think again, like that's been a total surprise for me, you know, throughout the entire year. Granted the interior has struggled in pass pro, which I think will be interesting going up against this Bucks front. Um, especially like, you know, if they're able to push the middle of the pocket, like Vita Vea getting after him, check Baird off the edge. Um, especially with Andrew Whitworth potentially being banged up. I mean, it, I think there's question marks as far as like whether Stafford can play consistent ball, but based off that first matchup, granted, you know, again, Sean Murphy Bunting didn't play in that first one, but they didn't have Odell Beckham either. So there's a lot of new pieces that are featuring in this contest as well as like different play styles. But I think that kind of placates to what the Rams want to do. In terms of right, what the Rams want to do, the Buccaneers on defense want to be a blitz team. Right? Todd Bowles has been a top two, top three percent blitzer since he arrived in Tampa Bay this year. They are leading the league in blitz percentage. Uh, Stafford was blitzed a season high 50% of his dropbacks against the Cardinals. Uh, he was absurd against the blitz. Again, he has been absurd against the blitz all season, including when uh, they played the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers tried to blitz Stafford and he always burned them. Uh, Steven, can the Bucks defense be anything besides this blitz happy aggressive team on passing downs they were built to be and if so is that going to work against Stafford will we actually see it or will Bulls just stick with his identity and send I mean I think it comes down to how the front seven is playing I mean we've seen them do it maybe not this year but in the Super Bowl they didn't blitz they didn't blitz Mahomes at all and they were able to live in those coverages where they were playing shell coverage to stop the uh, deep passing game I'm interested to see what the game plan looks like and whether Bulls blitzes a lot because now that we've seen that Super Bowl and we we know that he's capable of saying, all right, I'm going to put the blitzes away this week and I'm going to play this type of coverage because this is what we have to do against this particular team. I think he's going to be willing to do that against the Rams if they're not able to stop the run and they're not able to get after quarterback with four. I think they'll go to the blitz stuff and they'll try to create havoc and try to force Stafford into making one of those game-changing mistakes. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a conservative game plan from the start. Yeah. M- uh, McVeigh's history against Bowles, like with Stafford or otherwise. It's bad for Bowles. Yeah, it, it's concerning. And the thing is, like, yes, Bowles didn't blitz the Chiefs, but it took two weeks of prep and, like, the whole offensive line being injured for Bowles to be like, wait, maybe, right. maybe, maybe this one time <laughs> we shouldn't do this. Uh, it's really – this is a game I think the Rams win, especially if Worfs is out. And I think it's because McVay is in a good position to beat Bowles, because Stafford is a quarterback who helps him do that, but also because, and this I think is the key point that you brought up, Kalen, no worse magnifies the impact of Vaughn. And even with the Bucks' corner room healthy, uh, which they haven't been all season, Odell added to this receiving room is a really big deal with how well he's been playing recently. Like I know like volume wise, it's not incredible. And so Browns fans are like, Oh, he's the same player. He's an, uh, he's a man coverage separator, right? He gets his. And then on third and goal, when they need a bucket, they just throw it up high and they tell him to go get it. That's a guy they don't have is that ball winner. And he's important to Stafford because Stafford loves kind of putting that ball up high and telling his receiver to go get it. Odell brings them that. So uh, this is a game. I think the Rams win not just because of how well they're playing and how well they match up, but also like because of those acquisitions. This is a huge, huge Vaughn game if Wirfs is out. He has to be able to just dominate consistently if he gets one-on-ones. And I think that while he isn't the same player he once was, he is the sort of guy who can beat Wells for multiple sacks and can land on Brady and, be, and get there quick enough to negate that quick passing game. Get, then you get Ramsey on Evans with the absence of Godwin, the absence of Antonio Brown. It helps alleviate the, the pressure. To me, this is just it, it, the cards are falling nicely for the Rams. So, am I picking Matt Stafford in his like third career playoff game against Tom Brady? Yes, I acknowledge and understand that, but that's where I am. I'm taking the Rams too, and I'm taking them to win next weekend. I think they're. My you don't even to... know they're playing yet, Steven. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I think this team is going to the Super Bowl. I think they found the perfect balance between the golf offense and the Stafford offense. I think they're running more. For a different reason. Like, they ran more on early downs with Goff because Goff was and terrible in the drop And they needed that play-action sort of construct, wow. yeah. And he, yeah. he couldn't do it. They're doing it with Stafford now because he can do that stuff. He's just more willing to throw in a tight windows, and he might throw an interception. 
So they're saving that for third down. And he's still the best passer this year by EPA in obvious passing situations. He led the league. The fact that they found that balance, though, I think is this offense is going to take off and continue to take off. We've, we've seen it. We've seen some flashes over the last couple of weeks. But I think over these next two weeks, we're really going to see this offense take off. And I think they win this game easily. Damn, easily, easily. I, I have the Rams winning, but I, I wasn't expecting everyone to be you know, picking the Rams here. Um, I, I do think this is a good matchup. And like you guys have been saying, the momentum over the past few weeks, Steven, you, you nailed it. Like they've found a way to marry, you know, this bat, like it's a very, very clean structure. And as long as Stafford isn't throwing interceptions, I think the defense, again, like this Rams defense going up against Brady, they're built specifically for this. I think the acquisitions, like you mentioned, Ben, you know, kind of play into what they want to do, which is they're going to have to speed up Tom Brady and they're going to be able to do it. And I think like that marrying of the, or finding the middle ground between golf and, and the offense they were running earlier in the year. I think both me and Ben called for that when they were really struggling in the middle of the year. Yeah. I think Ben said it after the Titans game and it's working, man. It's working. That's the thing is, is it's nice to not have to live there, but man, under center play action, boot action, Works every day of the week that ends in Y, brother. <laughs> so sometimes we can just run it, and it's okay if we have Stafford and we thought we couldn't. We'd just run it, and it'll work. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Our last game is uh, probably the Ringer NFL show referendum game, besides Kalen, because Kalen's always been on Titans Island. Whoa. The Bengals <laughs> and Titans. Uh, two teams that I, I would have told you would not have ended up in the AFC Divisional Round are now playing each other in the AFC Divisional Round. Steven, this game belongs to you. Uh, I think the most difficult game for me to like predict and prognosticate, in large part, it's the only non-rematch. We don't really know what each team is going to give to one another. So, X's and O's wise, matchups wise, what are the Titans going to bring? What are the Bengals going to bring? The Titans are going to bring a lot. They do a lot of shit, man. A lot of funky shit, too. I... For instance, I, I wrote about the Titans, and I wrote about the defense, about how they play all these different styles of, of Tampa 2. And at first, I wanted to give an example of just a, a regular Tampa 2 dropback or coverage rep. It took me like an hour and a half to find a regular Tampa 2 because they're always rotating into it and disguising it. And they have a corner playing the deep half this, this uh, snap. They have the slot corner playing the deep half on this other one. They have the linebacker going to the flat on one route and then going uh, – up the middle of the field on the other, it, they just throw so much stuff at you. And they do this in every type of coverage they play. Like they're covered, they have different cover threes, they have different man coverages. And I think that helps against teams like the Chiefs and the Bills. I don't know if it's going to work against the Bengals. Because one thing they do when they play these different coverages is a lot of the times they're leaving their outside corners on an island by themselves because those safeties are helping out with crossers and, and routes over the middle. And that's not what you want to do against this Bengals team with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins out there. And we know Joe Burrow is going to make those back shoulder throws. The Titans are the better team in my mind. I think the Bengals are just a bad matchup for them. But I'm still going to take Tennessee because they are at home. They did have the bye. Derrick Henry is back. I think the receiving core really helps that passing game a lot because they love to live with the on those in-breakers over the middle, and you need good receivers to catch those passes, and they have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones back. I don't know. I think the offense goes off, and I think it carries them in this game, and I think the defense does just enough. Maybe they get a pick on Joe Burrow with one of those disguise coverages, and they win a close one. So, okay, the Titans don't match up well with the Bengals defensively, right, in terms of what they do structurally. 
what about this front? Because to me, when I look at it, I, I look at Jeffrey Simmons and Nico Autry, Harold Landry up against Bengals offensive line, and I go eek. Now, the, the thing is, I go eek every week when I look at the defense line facing the Bengals, and it feels like it hasn't mattered up to this point. So is this just a situation where the Bengals are so good now at living with a bad offensive line and dealing with the protection issues that like it matters, but it also kind of doesn't? Like, Is that where we've landed or what? Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know if the Bengals are going to blitz or the Titans are going to blitz the Bengals a lot. I don't think they have to, but I'm confident in Joe Burrow getting the ball out quickly enough to mitigate that issue. I don't think he's going to have as much success if he has to escape the rush and make defenders miss free rushers miss, which he did a ton last week. I don't know if that pressure is coming up the interior. I think that's harder to do. So that could be an issue. That's my thing too. It's like, cause Burrow, I like the Bengals live out of empty. And Burrow has been able to avoid guys off the edge. Like, even last week, you know, Max Crosby was in his lap all game. Yannick Ngakwe didn't have that great of a game. But, you know, he, he has such very precise pocket movement to, and decision – like, his decision-making is really quick. But it's different when you have guys coming up the interior. So that's where I think – I think, uh, Stephen, like you and I both pointed out in our divisional round survey, like, the matchup to watch this week is really Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry versus – this Bengals off line because it can make the difference, you know, for a guy who's really good at escaping pressure when he's, when there's a guy coming in your face as opposed to coming off the edge. And so I think, I think that's really going to be the biggest difference in this game. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote that if Simmons dominates, the Titans are going to win. If he doesn't dominate, I think they still have a chance to win. I just think the Bengals are going to score a lot of points. And the other thing is, P uh, PFF Seth, our good buddy Seth Galina at PFF, put up on his timeline this week that Burrow is, is very is very right-handed offensively. When they throw deep, they throw right. And so if you can get interior pressure, you can know confidently as a defense, he probably he ain't going left much. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're if you're putting pressure in his lap and he has two ways to go, he's probably running right. He's he, that's right. the side he wants to get to. That side he can throw from. So you can rush that interior, and then you can loop, and you can send a guy going from the defensive right to the defensive left, and hopefully he loops into where Burrow's heading. You can start to build out rush plans to kind of anticipate where he's moving. Uh, other side of the ball, Kalen, Derrick Henry, potentially back, passes test with contact practice. Got a big steel plate in his foot. We got Titans fans taking Titans reporters taking feet picks. Derrick Henry as he's walking to and from the podium, <laughs> letting people know where he's at. This might be the first game that we've had in a long time with Derrick Henry plus A.J. Brown, plus Julio Jones, all available for this Titans team. To what degree are we thinking, like, hey, like maybe if this doesn't even work for the Titans defensively, that's how it's worked for them down the stretch, this offense has enough firepower back that, hey, like they can do what they did against the Niners and put together some quick end-of-game scoring drives and, and win one if they're down in the fourth quarter. Like, this Titans offense, is this the best we've seen of them? That's a good question. I don't I, I'm not even, I don't even know. I, I can't say for certain whether this is the best they've been, but I think this is a really good matchup for them. And Stephen Point, like, nailed something I'd written down, which is the Bengals over the middle of the field defensively. I think their linebackers are the liability within that offense. And so A.J. Brown being back – Julio Jones being back, that's huge. And then defensively for the Bengals, no Larry Ogunjobi within the interior. Trey Hendrickson's a little bit banged up, so there's going to be a little bit of question marks in terms of the edge pressure. I know that when he was on the field last week, Bengals had 10 pressures. When he was off, they only had three. And so he's a really big difference maker. And while there are you know players who are playing well within that Bengals defense, Hendrickson is a star. Don't know if they really have other star players outside. Awuzie's played really well, but I'm really curious to see. Like, I, I just think this is a really good matchup for Tennessee, being able to go downhill, run between the tackles with Henry or with Deontay Foreman, and their play action game over the middle should, you know, thrive. Honestly, which is crazy to think about. The other only other star player to bring up on the Bengals' defense is Jesse Bates, who's a good deep middle of the field safety. He's a really good center fielder, but what Bates does not like to do is hit. And you know what? Or actually, that's not true. He likes to hit receivers. You don't see him coming outside the numbers. But, like, you watch Nick Chubb film against Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates is not like Nick Chubb, right? You watch those throws that develop intermediate middle of the field. Jesse Bates does not like to come downhill on those. That's against, like, regular humans. This is A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry nonsense, right? And that's the thing is when you – when the Bengals get heavy personnel, they bring Von Bell into the box, and they try to play, right, gapped out. They try to play with enough players in the box to stop the run. If you're able to get through that mess, 
and get Derrick Henry on a straight line upfield, the only vestige, the only dude left is Jesse Bates. And Bates versus Henry in space is a really, really bad matchup for the Bengals. Bates is not that caliber of tackler, man. And that's the thing is, with Derrick Henry, he's going to get his 10-yard runs. Your job as a defense is to try to prevent those from becoming like the 70, 80-yard, you know, Bronco out of the stable runs. Bates is not built for this, man. And I'm worried that a healthy Henry back means that even when the Titans are eating clock, even when the Titans are in their neutral script and they're running on first and 10, running on second and long, they can still get some big scores and like Cincinnati's wins often have come from like winning these shootouts. Tennessee doesn't play shootouts because when they run the ball, they can still get to a position where they're scoring. Right. And where where they're ripping off explosives. And so I agree. It's, it is a tricky matchup for Cincinnati on that side of the ball. I like Tennessee to win. I like Tennessee to cover. And if that's just because I keep on thinking that Joe Burrow is not yet that caliber of player and he just proves me wrong every week, that's okay. But I think this is just a really hard model of offense to run at the playoff level, unless you have really good protection and like really, really, really good veteran high chemistry receivers. And I think the Bengals are heading that direction as a team. It just might be a year or two early. And so I like the Titans to win. Uh, but uh, again, like I've doubted both these teams down the stretch. So either way, I'm going to be right. And either way, I'm going to be wrong. Same with me. I, I'm taking the Titans also. It's hard to know what the ceiling is on this Titans offense because we have only seen Henry Brown and Jones play. 120 snaps together they only played one game where they played together for 40 or more snaps that was seattle back in week two or three i think but when they were on the field together their play action passing game was booming like it was in the previous years and if they can get back to that on on saturday i think their offense is going to score a lot of points yeah so i want to pick titans but i also have bet against joe burrow before and i'm not here we go again i'm i'm picking the Bengals just for the sake of joe burrow stands not getting mad at me that's four so. games i think we were, we were consensus on rams over bucks but other than that we're split that's a fun week guys uh divisional round is a lot of fun uh this will be uh we'll have this preview show we'll also have an upcoming uh, preview show as well for the championship weeks as per usual that'll be two games don't really know we'll probably kind of divide that up side by side position by position and get really really in deep with those but that's it for our friday show here previewing the divisional round so thank you as always kaylin and steven for joining me you can find steven and i on the sunday show recapping the weekend's action you can find kaylin of course back here with us on the friday show next week thank you to our man behind the curtain chris sutton for his production assistance and of course arjuna ram kapol his man behind the curtain for additional production supervision we are back same time same place next week 